Hey guys, it's Kelly, and I want to welcome you back to the Unbroken Podcast. So I know it's been a while since I've put out an episode, and I sound a little bit different now, but I had a lot of life get in the way. Most importantly, I had to have all of my teeth removed about four weeks ago, and I had to learn how to talk all over again, and I still haven't gotten it quite down yet. And I definitely cannot talk while I'm wearing the dentures, but I'm told by a lot of people, my dentist included, that it's going to take some practice, which was hard for me because like I literally talk for a living. I do a podcast. I do my TikTok. So I kind of got in a little bit of a funk because it was hard to not be able to talk. Although there were fun times where I could talk a lot of shit to my husband and he had no idea what I was saying. That was fun. (laughs) But everything else, it was just such an emotional experience. So I was referred to this dentist by my chiropractor. It's a friend of his. They know each other really well. And I felt like I could trust this guy because like, I trust my chiropractor more than anything. He was one of the first doctors that I had seen when I moved here and he knows my story. He knows everything that I went through. He sees my son that has autism and is amazing with him. So if he said I was in good hands, I trusted that. I talked it over with the dental hygienist, everything that I had gone through in my past and with the dentist as well, which was kind of awesome that they wanted to hear about it because they soon, I think, began to realize that it wasn't just the normal run-of-the-mill fear of the dentist that a lot of people experience. It was real-life trauma that I had gone through that made it difficult for me to get back into a chair that I had been trafficked out of. And they were awesome. Let me tell you, they had um, the doors open for me, which they usually don't do. Um, My husband was allowed to come back and walk in and check on me whenever he wanted. I had my weighted blanket, my stuffed animals. I had headphones to listen to one of my friend's podcasts. And it was amazing how calm I was. I think the worst part was getting numbed, to be honest. That was the most painful. Everything else was just, like, kind of weird. But they talked me through it. I told them, with my anxiety and my PTSD, the best thing for me is to tell me what's going to happen. And they did that. They did every single thing that I asked that would make me feel more comfortable. And I can't express how awesome that is because I've met with dozens of dentists over the years trying to get the work done to fix what the after effects of being trafficked as a child by parents that care more about trafficking you than getting proper dental care. But a lot of them, like, shamed me. There was one that made some pretty nasty allegations that I was a drug user, which, I mean, I get to a point, but when I say I'm not, I say I'm not. And it was always just like horrible experiences. I even had one dentist tell me 
that I could never afford him. And I just thought that was a terrible thing to say to somebody, especially when they're showing signs that they're very anxious. I mean, at that time, I had a $300 pair of boots on, and it's like, how do you know I can't afford you? You don't know where my husband works. You don't know where I work. So, I mean, it's just like, it's been such a terrible experience. And all this work should have been done over seven years ago. So I'm happy that it finally got done. <laughs> I have, I feel great. I really do. Like, having it done was like closing a chapter in this journey of surviving. And what my life is like after the trafficking. And... I even like was crying during the procedure because it was like with each tooth it being taken out, it was like just a relief that it was finally gone. And it was something that I didn't have to see every time I stared in the mirror, every time I made a TikTok video, every time I took my picture. And it was something I was so self-conscious about that I can finally put to bed. I don't need to worry about it anymore. And it wasn't just like, okay, I don't like looking at myself because my teeth are pretty shitty. It was a constant reminder of what I had been through. And now that reminder's gone. And while it sucks that I can't wear the dentures, um, I have put them in and took a picture of myself smiling for the first time in a very long time. I sent it to my husband and he said that it was so nice to see me smile because he hasn't seen it in so long. And of course, the sarcastic smart ass that I am just told him, well, it's because he makes me incredibly unhappy, uh, which is absolutely not true. My husband is amazing, but um, it was just, it meant the world to me. I mean, after the procedure, everything, I gave the dentist a hug, which I'm sure was probably semi-inappropriate, but I was just like, you changed my life, and I don't even think you quite understand how much you actually did. And it wasn't just about how at any given moment those infections could have killed me. I've had them spread into my face, spread down my neck, spread multiple places multiple times. But it was, like I said... I don't have to look in the mirror anymore and be reminded of the neglect that is causing so many physical problems in my current life. So I know that we spend a lot of time talking about trying to look for signs so we can spot victims out in public so that way we kind of know what to look for, know where to call, and things like that. And while all of that awareness is so important, I think there's a whole other level of awareness that is very important, and that's what happens after the last sale. And there isn't enough people talking about it. I know an amazing woman that runs an organization called Soul Survivor Inc. And it helps to get branding tattoos either taken off or covered up for survivors of trafficking, which I don't think she fully understands how much that means to a survivor. 
Luckily, I did not have branding tattoos, so I don't have to worry about that. But I know the scars that I have. I see them almost every day. And like I said, with the teeth and a lot of different things that are just constant daily reminders of what I went through. And I think when we talk about sex trafficking awareness, we have to include that because like when I first escaped, there was so much help. And at that particular moment in time, I had no idea that it was sex trafficking that I survived. I knew the things that happened. I just didn't have a word for it. But I could go to a shelter. I had coordinated childcare to pay for childcare for my children, rides to help me get to places. I got into a transitional living program where I had an apartment for like 20 bucks a month. And that was everything included. I had so much stuff to help me get on my feet. And there is a lot of resources to help survivors get on their feet. But there's not a lot of resources to help us with our new life. And when it comes to survivors of familial trafficking like I experienced where it's the family and it started when you were practically a baby. It was your entire life. It was everything you knew. It was your normal. You are essentially starting your entire life over again. And I've been at it for over 13 years now. I've figured out how to keep myself as safe as I can. It's not a foolproof plan, but it's a plan. I've had to do it all on my own. I'm making a lot of cool connections now, but that wasn't something that I had. I didn't even know that it was called sex trafficking until seven years after I had escaped. So for seven years in my journey of surviving, I still had no idea what I was surviving. And it's not like one day I just went to the right place, a support group or something, and they referred me to a sex trafficking or anti-sex trafficking organization and was like, hey, this is what you went through. I had to find it on my own. And I found it through the internet, through a blog from a woman that was trafficked by my father. So it was like, when I found it out, like it wasn't just the shock of what I had actually survived. It was that I was not the only victim. And here's this strange woman that I've never met before on the other end of the computer and confirming like all of this stuff that it was trafficking what I went through, what she went through, that it was in fact my father, all of this stuff. Like it was so wild, but I didn't have any support. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know anything. And I hate that. I mean, I figured it out along the way, obviously, but I wish I didn't have to do it all alone. And I don't think that anyone else should have to. And that is essentially what inspired me to start sharing my story. 
uh, was because I, one, wanted to put a face to sex trafficking so people could see a real live survivor that experienced it. And it was no longer just this hypothetical situation that they hear about on um, social media or anything like that. But I also wanted to do for other people what that woman did for me and gave a name to my trauma. Because once I had that name and once I knew what I was fighting, it was so much easier to fight that fight. I mean, how do you fight a fight against something that you don't even know that you're fighting? And it took some years to kind of put all the pieces together, and here we are today, 13 years later, and I have an amazing podcast, which I absolutely love. I am just about over 70,000 subscribers, which is like mind-blowing considering I've been doing it less than two years. I have reached countries on this podcast that I could never in a million years imagine that I would reach that are hearing my story. I have friends telling me that their adult children have found it. I was recognized at a store. I mean, it's just been such an amazing thing. And I have an amazing family, amazing kids, amazing husband. My life is so good right now. And I don't think that I could have gotten here today if I had never had that conversation with that woman that I had never found out what fight I was really fighting. I don't want someone to feel like that. And that is a lot of the purpose of why I do do this podcast because I I just I know how lonely it feels to be a survivor and I don't want anyone else to feel that loneliness because it is overwhelming at times. I I did go into a bit of a funk after I had the procedure done. I wasn't allowed to talk for a couple of days, which was like really hard. Um, could barely sleep. Um, just a lot of really emotional stuff. And not very many people reached out to even ask if I was okay. And I mean, I'm not always the type of person that really reaches out a lot I mean I like isolating sometimes but you know it is what it is sorry if, if I sound like I'm rambling but my dog is bugging me right now I'm feeling a little anxious and um my other service dog passed away in November so the new one doesn't quite have the alerting down like he did she's still getting trained <laughs> But, um, anyways, I, I wanted to kind of focus more on what happens afterwards. I feel like I've shared my story a lot in multiple places on social media, at speaking events, um, which I still intend to do, um, but here... 
I want to talk about the things that happened after I escaped because I feel like that is just as important as the story of what happened to me because it wasn't easy. I was homeless for a long time and I was always on the run, constantly moving to different states to keep myself safe. I was basically sleeping with one eye open all the time and it was a very long journey and a very difficult one, one that I did alone. My husband is an amazing support and has been for the past 11 years. I met him about two years after I had escaped, actually two years to the day. And um, he's been great going along with all my crazy, <laughs> to put it lightly. But there's a lot of things that I had to learn on my own, and it would be nice if other people didn't have to do that. There's, like I said, a lot of support when you first leave, but in cases of survivors of familial trafficking that have similar stories to mine, which there's a lot, it is, my story is not unique, they have to learn how to be an adult. They have to learn how to do so many things. So a friend of mine just got her first apartment and um, she is very excited and I'm so absolutely proud of her. But she had texted me about paying and turning on water for the first time and that it was, you know, She's in her 30s, and the first time that she's paying for water, I totally relate to that because it's like even now I'm not able to work, so I don't think that I've ever actually paid a bill with, like, money I earned from a job. Um, I had to live in hotels a lot when I first escaped, so I did pay for that kind of stuff, but... I never really had like an apartment of my own where I went in like she did and applied, got the apartment and it's like I'm almost 40 and I should have done so many things by now that I've never gotten to do and some of those things I may never get to do and some of them I may but it's just it's hard. Because I look back at my life and realize that I missed 26 years of being a person. I was essentially a zombie towards the end uh, with all the psychological abuse, manipulation, gaslighting, you name it. And it was like one day I was their property and within a couple of hours, I was gone, and I was my own self, but I didn't know how to be that person, because I didn't know who it was, and even today, 13 years later, I still don't know who that person is. I feel like I'm somebody's mother, somebody's wife, 
the sex trafficking survivor, the podcaster, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know who Kelly is. I don't know how to figure out who she is. And I want to get to know her. And I'm going to do that here because I don't want to talk about a lot about my past anymore. Like, I'm still going to. I just don't want it to be the main focus. I want to talk about what happened after I left because I'm not my past. It is, I'm not living there anymore. I'm not their property. I'm not their victim anymore. I am me. And I am a lot of things. <laughs> um, I am a very loud, very outspoken person. Um, strong-willed and probably a little too good at setting boundaries but there's so many wonderful characteristics that I have that unfortunately are only a result of the trauma and while it's amazing to have these characteristics it still sucks thinking about where they came from it's <sighs> It's just been a very long month. I have gone through like an emotional roller coaster. I've thought about so many things that I want to do and things that I don't want to do anymore. And it's just trying to figure out who I am, I think is what it all comes down to. I think that it's very, it was a very important milestone in my life to start sharing my story and to start talking about the trafficking but it's like I just feel like I'm starting to identify as the person that went through all of that and I just I don't want to live my life like that and there's so much awareness that needs to be said about what happens when we escape when we've been gone I could have gotten funding to have my teeth fixed, but there was a two-year limit from the last time that you had contact with your traffickers, so I didn't qualify. There is a shelter here close by that I don't qualify for because I've been gone for so long. There's so much that us survivors that have been gone for so long have to deal with medical problems that we have very little help that we have to pay for ourselves, um, getting an apartment. I mean, my credit was essentially non-existent or destroyed. Um, I had n I did not have a good work history, so it was hard finding a job. I mean, there are so many topics that I want to talk about. And my hope is when I talk about all of the struggles that I went through on my journey since my escape that maybe I'll find myself somewhere along the way. So I know this episode's been kind of up and down, but I got to get back in the swing of things. Like I said, it's been a while. I have missed it so much. I had no idea how much I can miss a microphone and headphones, but I did. And I'm really going to start posting more, hopefully, 
I can get used to the whole talking thing again, but I will still share details of my story as needed, but I want to talk about my life now because I feel like a lot of awareness is always stemmed with a little bit of fear in it, and I think that we need to spread a message of hope. So that way, victims that are still in it or survivors that feel helpless and want to go back because they just don't have hope that it's ever going to change or that they'll ever have an amazing life, which it's very possible to have that amazing life. And my personal belief is it's a lot stronger to stay than it is to leave. So... I think a lot of survivors, we've got a strength that we don't quite realize that we have. So I'm hoping that I can kind of help maybe inspire someone to find that strength that they already have inside of them. But I'm going to leave it there today because um, my animals are going crazy. Um, They are not used to me recording. Like I said, it's been a while and I'm so sorry, but... I will definitely be posting again very soon. And thank you so much for all the love and support and being patient while I was recovering from the oral surgery. I'm doing well and I'm so excited about the future. It's kind of like that day that I shared my story for the first time publicly at an event I it was just so empowering and I felt like a whole book got closed of being a victim and a book of being a survivor opened so I'm excited for the future and excited to see where I end up and I know that it's going to be some amazing places because I'm really going to fight hard for that And I'm going to fight hard for other survivors to get to have the life that they deserve. So I hope you all have an amazing weekend, an amazing night, and I will talk with you all soon. Have a good one.